turn to the book of Psalms. We're going to be looking at number 104. In Psalm 104, there is a verse that mentions spirit. It is a verse... Number 30, it talks about God's spirit, and it says, You send forth your spirit. They are created, and you renew the face of the ground. It's kind of an interesting, strange little verse, to be honest. If you just look at that one verse out of its context, and even in its context, you got to kind of figure it out a little bit. But that's why we're here. I knew I wasn't going to get to this verse last week when we were looking at the books of poetry. Um, Job talks a lot about Ruach. Most of the times it's just wind. Um, And the same is true for Ecclesiastes. Um, Well, actually, Ecclesiastes in particular talks a lot about Ruach. That's what I should have said first. Ecclesiastes talks about a wind. All is chasing after the wind. Vanity of vanities. All is chasing after the wind. That is the term Ruach, which is also used then to talk about the spirit or a spirit, wind, breath, spirit is that term, and you have to look at the context of these verses to figure out what's the right way to understand uh, this particular thought or word. So, I intended to look at only verse 30, and use this then just to kind of lead into the books of the prophets. I was supposed to cover the books of the prophets today. We're going to do that next week. Because more I, the more I thought about what I was going to say about this particular verse so I could say it and just move on, quickly I thought this is just an entire sermon in and of itself. Psalm 104 is where we're going to be today. We're going to learn a little bit more about God's Spirit. And in particular, we're going to, we're going to see that God's Spirit is working and active And I'm going to use this word intimately active and involved in his world. And we need to remember this as we're exploring the thoughts about God's spirit. We have looked at a lot of ways in which the spirit was present at creation. And he comes upon particular people. And some people he comes upon them in a mighty way. And then he guides their thoughts, gives them courage to lead or to do or to act. But there's also this very sense that we're going to see from Psalm 104 that God is just present. And my, um, my thinking in regard to how I'm looking at Psalm 104 and giving this sermon is very much related to the way that we looked at some of the passages when the Spirit of God was parallel to God's face or God's presence. God's face is Him showing up, His presence His spirit being there. And so we consider these things and we're working, looking at this all together and considering the very spirit of God and how he works amongst us, how he is so very intimate with us today. So Psalm 104, I told you about verse 30 because I want you to keep that in mind. That's why we're here. There is a purpose. But now let's back up to verse number one. Verse number, we'll read verses one through four. Bless the Lord, O my soul. 
O Lord my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty, covering yourself with light as a cloak, stretching out heaven like a tent curtain. He lays the beams of his upper chambers in the waters. He makes the clouds his chariot. He walks upon the wings of the wind. He makes the winds his messengers, flaming fire his ministers. So the Lord God is, he is very great. And he, notice the term I use here, and I think it is portrayed like this in these, just these first four verses and all throughout this psalm. He is, he interacts very intimately with all creation. It talks about him clothing himself with creation, how majestic he is. It's like he has clothed himself in light. God created light. God is light. He stretches out the heavens like a, like a curtain. So God can just, he's so amazing and powerful. All creation is, it's just stretched out by his hand. Psalms uh, 18, Psalm number 18 indicates, you know, that the, the, the heavens are the creation of his fingers, the works of his fingers. You know, God is just, he's so in control of creation. He can stretch it out. He can work it, manipulate it. He is bigger than all creation. That's how majestic he is, but, but he can move it around. He can shape it, form it. He lays the beams of his upper chambers in the waters. I don't know if I got a good picture of that, but his upper chambers in the waters, it's kind of like he is creating a place to live. It's like he's dwelling with us. He is in creation. He is there. He is dwelling with us. He's riding around on the clouds. There is chair. The clouds are his chariots. He's, it's like he's present and active. Whatever these images are, whatever the truth is there, the one thing I know is that he is here and active. He walks on the wings of the Ruach, the wind, the breath. You know, and it's like every time if you hear this psalm and every time you, you feel the wind or you see the effects of the wind outside your window, you can kind of get the image and the thought that God is present among us. The winds, he is there walking on the winds. He makes the winds his messengers. Flaming fire, his ministers. He is intimately involved in creation. He is still active in creation. And at times he's just present in things. And I don't think every wind is of God. Sometimes Satan can stir up a wind and destroy something too, right? So not every wind is a wind of God, but God can be present in the wind. God is the one who created the wind. God is the one who is present in all creation. And creation kind of moans. Because it wants to get everything back right the way it's supposed to be. But man messed that up with our sin. But God is just, he's intimately involved in all of creation. And I did note in the outline that the wind that's mentioned in verses 3 and 4 is the term ruach. It doesn't make sense to, uh, to translate that, that he makes he walks on the wings of the Spirit. 
That's not the sense of that verse. It's, it, it's talking about creation. So it's the wings of the wind. And he makes the winds his messengers. Flaming fire his ministers. So Ruach is here. Just to give you a little understanding of how to translate things and think about things when you get to particular verses. Then in verses 5 through 9, I want to read this passage here. Continues talking about his creation. He established the earth upon its foundations so that it will not totter forever and ever. You covered it with the deep as with a garment. Your mind should flash back now to Genesis 1. Everything was covered with the, dark, with the darkness with the deep, in, in the deep. The waters were standing above the mountains. At your rebuke, they fled, and the sound of your thunder, at the sound of your thunder, they hurried away. The mountains rose, and the valleys sank down to the place where you, which you established for them. You set a boundary that they may not pass over, so that they will not return to cover the earth. So here, you know, when you think about Genesis, in Genesis, God spoke everything into existence and here God's rebuke his voice speaks and it is equated with then the sound of thunder at your verse number seven at your rebuke they fled at the sound of your thunder they hurried away parallelism again here there's one verse one one thought phrase that is directly connected to the very next one and their meaning is this is equivalence the same they're parallel the rebuke The sound of your thunder. The sound of your thunder. The sound of God's voice is like thunder. God speaks and thunder is what it sounds like. And it shakes everything. Consider Exodus 20. You can flash back there if you'd like. In Exodus chapter 20, the first Uh, First 17 verses are the giving of the Ten Commandments. The people are able to hear these Ten Commandments being given. Verse 18 says, And the people perceived the thunder, or the sound, and the lightning flashes, and the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood at the distance. Now notice all of those things in verse number 18. The the sound, the sounds that are there, the mountain smoking, those are pictures of God being present on that mountain. God was present. He had already presented himself to them as as fire by night that would lead them away from the Egyptians. And then during the day, it was a pillar of smoke. That was God. That was His presence. We talked about that even last week. That's how He led them. His Spirit was there. And here on the mountain, that that smoke has come down on top of the mountain. The the flashing, the thunder, and these people are hearing it all as God speaks. Verse 19, then they said to Moses, Speak to us yourself and we will listen, but let not God speak to us or we will die. The sound of God's voice speaking the Ten Commandments. 
was so powerful that they were filled with fear. They thought their lives were at risk. Coming into the presence of God is a kind of a dangerous, scary thing, especially if you are not prepared to be in His presence. Consider John chapter 12, this idea of the thundering voice of God. Um, In John chapter 12, Jesus has just entered Jerusalem and uh, he has spoken to the people preparing them and preparing himself as he's thinking about how he is going to die. And look at the verse 28, and it says, Jesus speaking here, he says, Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came out of heaven. I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. There's the voice of God speaking words, speaking a message that we understand. God says, I have both glorified it. I've glorified my name and will glorify it again. So the crowd of people who stood by and heard it were saying that it had thundered. Others were saying an angel has spoken to him. You know what? And Both of them are kind of Getting on the right track here, God's voice is like thunder. Sounds like thunder. It's getting, I wouldn't say it was an angel speaking, but it was a message of God Himself. The voice came and says, I have. Jesus speaking to the Father, the voice responds. It is the Father's voice to respond. And an interesting connection that is, that is to be made with the Holy Spirit The very Spirit of God is that the breath of God. You could say anytime you think about the Spirit of God, you can think about the breath of God. God, no one can speak without breathing. And there's this interesting connection. If you'd look back through all we've looked at and learned and talked about in the Old Testament pertaining to God's Spirit, meaning God's breath or God's wind, you can't speak without breathing. Just something to think about and consider. God's Spirit is connected to God's words. We're going to see that hammered out in the New Testament clearly. With the prophets, God speaking, He spoke, He came upon the prophets. His spirit, His breath came upon those prophets so that they spoke the very words of God. In the beginning, when God was, it created everything and His spirit was hovering over the face of the deep, then God spoke and all creation started. God said, let there be light and there was light. So, some things to consider, some things to think about. Um, But God's voice, it thunders. It's powerful. God's Spirit is powerful.
powerful. So that's verses 5 through 9. That God speaks, it's a sound like thunder, and things react. Now verses 10 through 26. In these verses... You can read through there. I do want to, I'll read verse 10 in a second. But you, you can see here that God provides water. He provides food. He provides shelter for all of his creatures, all of the living animals. And he is, it's presented, it's, it's looking at God and it's just showing how active he is. How present he is. And how caring and providing he is. He is truly a good father. Verse number 10 starts it all out by saying, He sends, or who sends forth, springs in the valleys. They flow between the mountains. God is is active and He's working. And where we see water flowing and, and we see water coming down from the skies, The psalmist sees God being active and providing what we need. It's very interesting then to think about what we call the laws of nature. What we call the laws of nature, where they were set in motion at creation. And I think that's that passage, uh, this actual passage in Psalm 104, it it upholds this idea that God set things into motion and now they're just going, going to continue on according to the way God has set them. But there's also then this, this other aspect of it where God doesn't just kind of set it in motion and watch it go on like you might, uh, like you might take a, the, 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 the little balls, whatever those are called, and they hit and they go back and forth. It's like you set it in motion, then you can step back and just watch it. Well, God is involved in it. He set everything in motion, and he, there is this sense where he can just watch it go, but there's also this sense where he sends forth. He is active and evolved in everything. And... The question comes, well, is God involved? And in, we, we can't imagine that God has chosen. We can't look up and see the clouds right now, but there are clouds up there, maybe. The sun's shining. Is God in, involved in that? Is God deciding? Is God saying, putting the clouds where they are to go? Is he that? How involved is God in this earth? There are atoms and molecules inside of these pieces that make up this desk. Is he involved in every one of those? Can his mind and its vastness and greatness be deciding at every single moment that any single tiny molecule and every little piece of a single molecule, protons, neutrons, and electrons, so many things that when we just think about a single atom, it makes our mind spin. We don't know how a single atom works. What holds that nucleus together of an atom We don't know, but is God so involved he knows every single piece of matter in the entire universe? It's a silly question and to kind of pose. Well, because we got in this, I'm in this mindset of, well, God's put everything in motion and it's going in motion as long as he decides it keeps, continues to go, it's going to go. But then when it comes to the water, does God decide where the water is going to go and how the water cycle is going to work? And, and is there the water cycle going to get shut off at some particular spot and we go without rain for a while and we call it a famine? 
Is that God active or did he just set it in motion and he's kind of letting it happen like it'll happen? Verse 10 says, he sends forth springs in the valleys. It seems like he's very active. He is involved in everything that's going on and he he cares about us above all. We're greater than the sparrows, but he also knows when a single sparrow drops from the sky. He knows the very hairs on our head. Well, what does it matter how many hairs we have on our head? It doesn't matter. Some of us think it matters a little bit more than others, or, you know, it's what happened to all of them, God. Where were you? You sent forth your springs of water. What happened to the springs of water that were making my hair grow? Um, But he's involved. And that thought of him... Deciding that any particular atom that's in this air right now, that, that God, you know, that any particular oxygen molecule, he's, he's involved in making it do what it's doing. Seems silly and petty. It's just a molecule. Who cares? But God, he's involved in this earth. He's intimately involved. This psalm creates the picture of him being the one to feed and to provide and to give shelter to every single creature. Verse number, um, oh, I didn't put the reference for that particular verse. He causes the grass to grow. Um, What verse is that? If anybody sees that particular verse, causes the grass to grow. Verse 14. He causes the grass to grow for the cattle. How does grass grow? Well, there's a water cycle that provides water and it has nutrients from the ground and it gets nitrogen from the air and it fixes it and the carbon, carbon from the air and fixes, you know, it's, it's just the cycle. It's laws of nature, right? God causes the grass to grow. Now, either way you want to look at it, it it really, you know, the laws of nature, they're set in motion by God. Every little thing that happens, it's by God. So it's all God no matter how you look at it, right? I get that. I just want you to consider that this psalm is presenting God's intimate interaction with everything that goes here goes on here on this earth moving on verse number 27 and 28 they all wait for you this is talking about the animals they all wait for you to give them their food in due season you give it to them they gather it up you open your hand and they are satisfied with good now that's an intimate picture of God doing what we love to do is to have some something in our hand and some little goat or cute little creature to come up and eat right out of our hand. God, it's, and it's, a, it's just a beautiful picture and that's how God interacts with all creatures. He is the one feeding them. Then verse number 29, it says, you hide your face. They are dismayed. 
You take away their spirit, they expire and return to the dust. So there comes a time when God allows a creature to die. There comes a time when perhaps He doesn't give them the food anymore and they suffer and eventually die. But listen to that thought about you hide your face. In other words, God is not present. God is not there intimately providing for that creature anymore. And then the animals are dismayed. It's terrible. And God eventually takes away their spirit. Notice that He takes away their spirit. Animals have spirit, and that's breath. It takes away their breath. It takes away their life. Just as we all have breath and we have life. Now, do they have an eternal spirit? An eternal soul and eternal life? I doubt that's what's being spoken of here, but some people say you're like rover and dead all over and there's nothing more, but God could have creatures in heaven. Why not? If we like having animals here on this earth, why not creatures that have actually lived here on this earth living in heaven? I, I, probably some good argument against that, but there's probably a little good, lot of good arguments for it too. I don't know. But animals have spirit, and their spirit, their breath, depends upon God providing to them every single breath. He is intimate with his creatures and active with his creatures. And when he takes away their life, their breath, they go back to the ground. Notice that statement at the very end of verse 29. They return to the dust. The same is said for us in Genesis 3.19. The, the phrase that was used of old in all the funerals, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. God told man, he says, from dust you came and to dust you shall return. Because I formed you out of the ground. God formed us out of the ground and then he put his breath into us. And when he takes our, our breath away, when our spirit is gone from this, this mortal body, the body goes back to the dust of the earth. It goes back to the ground. We all decay. And then verse number 30. After this terrible reminder that we're all going to die, just like all the creatures are going to die, because when it says you re- they returned their dust, everybody, every single person who reads that should say, oh yeah, we're going to return to dust too. Genesis 3.19. I hope I'm getting... Yeah, 3.19. That's the right reference. Then verse 30 comes. You send forth your spirit, they are created. So you send forth your wind, they are created. No, I, I like this. You send forth your wind, your breath, your spirit, they are created. And you renew the face of the ground. And I just have this... When I get to this verse, verse 30... God sends His Spirit again. It has been removed. His his Spirit had left. He had hidden His face, but now He shows up again. You send forth your Spirit. His presence returns. And I add this word in here, this thought of hovering over the face of the ground. Hovering over the face of the ground. God's presence is there over the face of the ground and creation takes place again. He raises up new animals to take the place of the ones who had left, who were gone, who died. 
And this verse brings to my mind, I didn't find any commentary, so maybe I'm a lunatic. I don't know. You let me know what you think. But it brings to mind Genesis 1 and verse number 2. In Genesis 1-2, it says, The earth was dark, was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. The Spirit of God was, was there, present, ready to create, ready to get active, and ready to, to breathe. The breath of God was there, ready to breathe life into everything that was coming from nothing, from dust to something, to having life and breath. And here in this verse, we just seen something die and go into the dust. And now, instead of being over the face of the deep, God's Spirit is there over the face, over the surface, the face, the surface. Those are the same Hebrew words in these passages. And God is there to bring forth a new, something new, to renew something, to create something again. God's Spirit, this is my point, God's Spirit is always present and at work in this world. He's feeding, He's creating, He's in charge of everything. He decides when something is going to die, when something is going to live. He is the one who is in control of all things. In John 5, 17, Jesus says, when they were harassing Him about working on the Sabbath, Jesus says, I'm going to work because my Father is still at work. He's still at work. Well, wait a second. There were six days of creation on seventh day. He rested on the Sabbath. We're supposed to rest. God never stops working, he says. But he stopped work. He stopped. Yeah, you figure out what it talks about then. God's still at work. He's still here creating. He is over the face of the earth, over the surface of the ground, creating life. Given us life. Colossians 1.17, talking about Jesus, says, He is before all things, and in Him all... And he sustains all things. In Him all things hold together, is the new, New International Version. In all, he holds all things together. He's, he's the power behind it, holding it all together. He is here. He is at work. He holds it all together. I want to read verses 31 through 35. Um, quick comment from Ecclesiastes 12:7. I want you to be encouraged by this. I want you to think today as we gather to worship our Lord and our God. It's just not we're we're praising Him up to heaven above. He, His Spirit, is with us, and He's still at work, and He can use us and work with us if we're willing to work with Him. Let the glory of the Lord endure forever. Let the, glory, let the Lord be glad in His works. Let the Lord be glad in us too. He looks at the earth and it trembles. He touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. Let my meditation be pleasing to Him. As for me, I shall be glad in the Lord. Let sinners be consumed from the earth and let the wicked be no more. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. Let us meditate. 
think on this psalm and be glad in his intimate activity with all of creation and how he brings us life. And he works with us. Let us sing and praise him. Let us remember that sinners will be consumed. We've got to be, if we want life, we go to him and we live in him and we cling to him or else we're turning away from him and we are lost just to turn to dust someday. Acts chapter, excuse me, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, another one of the books of wisdom, um, the books of poetry. In Ecclesiastes 12, verse number 7, it says, Then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit will return to God who gave it. A truth for us to consider is we consider that God gave us life and is active with us and calling us to Him all of this life. Let us remember that someday we are going to turn back to dust. We will be, and, and our spirit will return to God. And we've got to answer to Him for what we've done in this body. Let us be ready to stand before Him. Live for Him. He is alive and active in this world. Let Him be alive and active in you. Let Christ be working in your life. If there's anybody who's not a Christian, you haven't invited Christ into your life. The Holy Spirit is the gift that comes from Him. I encourage you to live for Him. Give your life to Him. I encourage you to respond if you need to as we stand together and sing this song of encouragement.